Hello and welcome to the Melville Douglas podcast with myself, Adam Hunt, Head of International Wealth and Investments, and Chris Dead, Head of Melville Douglas International. Morning, Chris. Morning, Adam. Um, I've got a few questions for you that we've seen top of mind for clients of late. Uh, firstly, of course, interest rates. Uh, we know interest rates are used to combat inflation, but it also has both the intended and unintended consequences. One of those unintended consequences was of the sharp rise in interest rates is the banking crisis. Um, now that's been dominating the market for the past few weeks, but should we be worried about systemic risk and perhaps even a repeat of, of 2008 global financial crisis? Yeah, great, uh, great question, very topical. We've had a good number of clients um, sort of engaging with us, uh, concerned uh, that uh, after uh, one of the most aggressive um, interest rate hiking cycles in recent history, we have to really go back to the 1990s. We last see such a quick sort of uh, uh, hike in interest rates um, and the unintended consequences of those higher interest rates. Um, are sort of exposing areas in the market, in the financial system that uh, um, haven't managed um, the, uh, to cope of the risk of such a hike, uh, speed, the extent of the interest rate hike and the speed of the interest rate hikes. So yes, we've had in the last, in March, uh, we had three US banks very quickly go under. Banking is a trust business, and if you lose trust in your banker, um, uh, you wish to withdraw your capital out of that bank, and there isn't any bank that would be able to repay uh, all their depositors overnight because they use the short-term money that we um, uh, put on banks' balance sheets and deposits, and they lend them out and uh, uh, invest them elsewhere. So there is a, a timing issue. So uh, very quickly, um, we had Silicon Valley Bank and two other U.S. banks uh, go under, um, surprised the market very, very quickly. And uh, to your question, Adam, um, uh, the global financial crisis in 2008, which was some 15 years ago already, uh, still feels very, very fresh in one's mind and uh, concerns that are we having a repeat of that and then we want the return of our money, not the return, um, uh, uh, sorry, return of our money rather than the return on our money. Um, so to answer your question, are we going to, uh, are we entering another 2008 global, global financial crisis situation? Our view is no, um, very slim chance of that happening. A few reasons why um, the financial system, global banks, the big traditional banks, um, uh, have uh, very, very strong tier one capital. Uh, they've been very well regulated. Uh, they have not got concentrated risk uh, in only a few sectors and a few clients. Um, they have got diversified loan books and the loans uh, in, those, um, in, the, in the lending books are, are uh, very well risk managed. Um, which was unlike what we saw in 2008, where banks were taking on far too far too much risk in the form of mortgages, which were which were packaged up and sold. Um, so the financial system, the traditional banks, 
are in, a, in rude health, uh, but it is the smaller regional banks, uh, specialized banks like Silicon Valley Bank, uh, that have got themselves in trouble because their client base were more in the sort of the uh, startup technology businesses. Um, and uh, those clients of theirs were awash with cash because it was a zero interest rate world and um, investors were throwing cash at these businesses. They were depositing it with like Silicon Valley Bank. Silicon Valley Bank didn't have like a traditional bank, um, a big lending book, a diversified lending book. So they uh, used those deposits and bought um, AAA US Treasuries, which was a good decision. Uh, However, a lot of that the the US treasuries because short dated treasuries only a year ago were yielding uh, 0.3, 0.4%. So they went longer dated bonds um, and with interest rates rising to such such a speed over the last 12 months, uh, there was uh, on the longer dated loan uh, book, uh, they had substantial losses. Um, and they, uh, those losses wiped out the bank's capital. They came to the market and asked to raise some capital equity, and um, that uh, they, the, the capital investors wouldn't fund them anymore, and the bank quickly went under, and so did others. So it but- is, um, is there systemic risk? I think there is systemic risk uh, in the smaller um, uh, regional banks, not only in the US, uh, across the world, uh, that are very specialized. Um, I'm sure there is going to be uh, some more smaller banks and other businesses coming under pressure with interest rates going up next week. There's a, every chance that US rates will go up again uh, next week and, and uh, UK uh, rates to follow. So yes, we think there will be more casualties Um, uh, already you're seeing at the moment we're seeing uh, First Republic uh, in the the headlines over the last few days share prices collapsed Um, depositors have withdrawn 100 billion in the last few weeks Uh, they're needing propping up Um, so no surprise the ripple effects after three US banks going bust Um, uh, there is pressure however is there systemic, systemic risk in the large banks, traditional banks like JP Morgan's or HSBC's, Barclays and things like that, the answer is no. So we do not believe there's a repeat of the global financial crisis. So given given that, looking at Credit Suisse and what happened there, would we say that's actually a, a, a different problem? It may be connected through sentiment and, and what was going on in the market at the time, but it, but it was a different problem. Yeah, Credit Suisse, great, great thing that's closer to home for our European um, uh, clients, Credit Suisse, a fantastic uh, name, uh, long-standing institutional name. Credit Suisse has been in trouble for uh, many, many years, uh, well-known, well-flagged. Um, and yes, there was obviously a knock-on effect from there. It came across from the US to, the, to, to Europe to, to look at sort of weaker banks. And because one knew that Credit Suisse um, certainly was very solvent and whatever, um, no, not a problem, but again, because of this, this very, very thin um, divide between sort of trust, confidence in a bank and, and no confidence, uh, Credit Suisse un- unfortunately suddenly saw a run on their deposits. Um, and then over that weekend, only a few weeks, weekend ago, uh, weekends ago, 
um, UBS uh, came in and acquired Credit Suisse uh, with the backing of the Swiss National Bank um, that has underwritten um, uh, a lot of the sort of potential sort of losses. Um, so they were they they were have found a new home in in UBS. So that was not because Credit Suisse was insolvent or anything like that. It was just really again that was a bit of systemic risk on just the trust on a on a bank, a big big beer beer, beer moth of a business that had been in trouble ever since two thousand and eight, um, uh, and that trust with depositors moving away. Um, forced that that the sale of um, uh, UBS, uh, Credit Suisse to UBS. Uh, we don't see that anywhere else um, in other um, large uh, European, US, uh, UK uh, global banks. Uh, we see them very well well capitalised, as I said before. Uh, so we think that is now passed. Um, but as I said before, uh, some of the smaller regional banks, finance houses, uh, we wouldn't be surprised to see some more. Uh, come to um, come into uh, difficulty in the weeks and months ahead. Thanks, and I guess uh, the other real question for everybody is: Did did we have exposure to any of the the U.S. banks, the three U.S. banks, potentially Republic Bank as well, but uh, and or Credit Suisse? Uh, we did, Adam. Um, we um, avid readers, clients of ours. We did. Um, put out a note to clients in March um, uh, covering this topic, topic um, on exposures and did we think it was systemic and the start of a global financial crisis and where did our portfolios ha- hold uh, any exposure um, to these banks. Uh, the answer is we do have exposure, uh, did have exposure, but it was negligible and I mean very negligible. So uh, we run, uh, we go to market with two main sort of ways of managing money, our focused, our growth at a reasonable price uh, portfolios. Uh, We had no exposure to the US banks, um, three US banks that went under uh, in uh, the focus solutions. Uh, Our only uh, US bank holding is the largest US bank, which is JP Morgan, um, largest bank by US, uh, uh, by assets. So no, no exposure there and focused. Uh, in the fixed income and the multi-asset portfolios, in the fixed income element of focused, we had a, some very negligible exposure, indirect exposure by some of the um, corporate bond uh, exchange traded funds, ETFs, and some of the um, uh, bond funds uh, of Credit Suisse. They had some exposure. But it, as in it, is, it works out at something like 0.07% of a, of a multi-asset portfolio. So not even sort of a rounding, rounding number. Our other solutions, our multi-manager uh, solutions, come under diversified portfolio solutions. Um, there was a very small holding in Silicon Valley Bank held by one of our, our global equity managers. Um, that was less than 0.12%, 0.12% of portfolio's equity exposure. Um, and that would be natural given the style neutral um, or neutral style of a, approach of our diversified solutions. We would expect to have uh, greater exposure across financials than in, than in our focus solutions. But within diversified, the bias um, is to the traditional large and well-capitalized banks rather than smaller regional banks. But we did have, as I say, one of the managers had a 
uh, a very small position in Silicon Valley Bank. Also, as with our focus uh, uh, solutions in the fixed income weightings, same thing, we had um, negligible exposure uh, to Credit Suisse indirect through those uh, corporate uh, bond funds uh, and exchange-traded funds. So um, where we've done a lot of work on you know, what, what is the sort of financial loss in percentage time for, for these strategies, so U.S. mandates, you're looking, depending on risk per profile, you know, a top um, of 0.15% uh, of a portfolio, and for sterling man, ma, uh, manage, uh, mandates, 0.07% at most. So we, it's not zero, but it's very close to zero exposure to, to uh, uh, the U.S. banks and Credit Suisse. It's something that we are actively continuing to monitor, to answer your first question, that is it systemic? As I say, uh, uh, we are we would not be surprised to see more ripples and more more banks come under smaller banks, specialized banks come under under pressure. Um, not only because of the interest hike, hikes. Uh, one thing that is in the in the news at the moment is where is the other risk um, with interest rate hikes? Uh, it's really in commercial property. There's a lot being written about and concerned about after. A decade of zero interest rates. There's a lot of lending and commercial development gone on, and uh, how can now interest rates have gone up five percent? How can uh, 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 this be funded? Um, so we've been looking very closely at commercial property lending in these banks. The good news again is your large traditional banks. There is exposure. Uh, they don't all default on day one. It's going to be over many years. Uh, it'll all, it's very contained, so we don't think there's contagion within commercial commercial property on top of um, some of these regional banks' uh, specialised clients that uh, have, have found themselves in trouble. So we monitor the situation as we do all the time. Um, uh, so we act in the, in the active, actively managed portfolios, um, and um, we do not believe there is systemic risk. Uh, you know, akin to a 2008 situation. The market is also telling us that. Uh, it's not just us, the market, look what the markets are doing. The markets are, this year are hitting um, highs for the year or close to, uh, despite uh, these concerns where there is exposure and, and problems in some of these smaller regional banks. Yeah, thanks, Chris. I think, um, you know, you, you've just called it there with the the highs in the markets that we're seeing at the moment and I think off the back of last year which was very challenging uh, we've seen a good rally in equities fixed income uh, so far this year but the backdrop to that is interest rates continuing to increase inflation really not going away um, you know we, we keep thinking it's going to come down but actually it's it's stubbornly high um, what do we think for the rest of the year uh, are we are we fraught with too much risk or or, or not looking yeah. too bad? Yeah, again, very very topical question from clients. It has been a, a very favourable first four months, very challenging twenty twenty two. Don't forget, um, markets are discounting tools. They're not looking at things today. They're looking at uh, what life is like to be in the economy, financial markets, um, a whole host of um, inputs of. Of, of where life is like to be in the next 12, uh, 9 to 12 months, so the discounting where we're like to be now at the end of the year. Um, it's been a favourable first four months for a number of reasons. 
one of the ma big sort of um, drivers of, of the rebound in risk assets um, has been the reopening of China. So it came by surprise in November last year, uh, you know, reopening after COVID, where they were sort of, you know, everybody was, was uh, forced to stay at home. Um, and then they went on the streets, and which is unlike Chinese. Uh, they have uh, they changed their policy and reopened. Uh, why has that been such a, a good good news for the market? And that is uh, largely to the fact it's two pronged. One, Chinese will be coming out of COVID, so there'll be a lot of demand as uh, Chinese go in, into services. So they'll start travelling again, go to cinemas, um, go to restaurants, and and get on with their lives. Um, I read the other day that Chinese have over four trillion of excess sa uh, savings, four trillion US dollars of excess savings. Not all of that will be spent overnight, but uh, basically that's going to find its way uh, in the markets at some stage. And basically with China reopening, uh, we can then uh, say with that demand, China will not be going into recession. And in fact, China economic growth will uh, pick up this year again. So we can rule out a global recession this year. So markets like that. Uh, not only that, China is a big manufacturer to the world. And part of the inflation problem has been supply issues. Uh, when China is lock locking down, COVID-led lockdowns, uh, factories are closed. So supply of lots of goods weren't getting into uh, the economy. Uh, and if there's more demand than su supply, then you get inflation. So that should help inflation metrics uh, ease as we go through this year. So that's one of the reasons why we've had a good four, four, first four months. Um, we've had um, a more stability in energy prices and we had a mild European winter. So um, middle of last year where energy prices were, uh, gas and oil prices have collapsed from those sort of prices that would have, they'd stayed there over the winter months, the European winter months you would have certainly seen um, horrible recessions in Europe because basically the consumer would have had to spend most of their discretionary spend on, on heating their homes and fueling their cars and so forth. So that abated, so that's been very good news. Um, there's also an increased belief um, that uh, inflation is now has peaked um, uh, almost everywhere. US, it seems to have peaked middle of last year. Um, uh, Europe, it's a bit more stubborn, and UK certainly is stubborn, but it looks as though it's starting to head down. Markets, as I said before, are big discounters. So although still far too high and causing huge problems, because the trend is now down, the markets are now discounting that with inflation now starting to fall, uh, there is the strong possibility that interest rates um, will uh, find their terminal rate, either peak rate, uh, in the in the coming few months and will actually be uh, falling by the end of this year or early next year. So markets are already discounting that good news. Lower interest rates, lower inflation will be very good for risk assets and has also been favourable for the bond market. So the bond markets have had a good start to the year as well. Um, so to answer your question, that's why we've had a good start to the year. Where are we going um, for the rest of the year? Um, we are not, uh, we're cautiously optimistic. Uh, we are, you know, are, are we uh, believers in the, the soft landing narrative that's going around? Where soft landing is a, you know, a meaningful slowdown without 
sort of or only mild recessions rather than the hard hard landing which is a nasty recession deep recession um, we believe that uh, the markets have uh, are up with events um, so where equities are priced today they're offering fair value they're not uh, overly cheap uh, but they're not overly expensive they've they have certainly re-rated over over the last couple of years because earnings have gone out uh, uh, earnings have gone up and prices have come down so they're not as expensive of expensive as they were when we finished uh, came out of covid um, but basically they where where our view is that they're up with events and it's all going to be data data dependent when at what level will interest rates peak and when will um, uh, interest rates start falling we think inflation is going to core inflation is going to remain more stubborn and when we say core inflation that's ex food and energy um, so the price of a haircut just everything you do is is has gone up you know very very, very you know, high high steps and this inflation it's going to take quite some time to get a core inflation down to the targeted levels of two to three percent and that means interest rates although they may peak and we think they will peak in the, the coming month or two so another quarter percent hike or two in in the US same in the UK and the same in Europe uh, but then they'll be done uh, but unfortunately we don't think core inflation is about to sort of um, drop off a, a cliff um, and get back to target levels and interest rates around the world fall back to where you know two or three percent so we think core inflation is going to be more stubborn interest rates will peak but they will be held higher for longer and that will cause markets that are already up with events to be range bound so we're not negative uh, we think there just needs to be more time for these markets to adjust to a higher interest rate uh, more stubborn inflationary environment um, and when we say more time we're talking about you know three to six months um, so over the summer months we'd expect a bit more sort of volatility a, f a few more sort of creeks coming through um, uh, with regard to businesses that are highly leveraged got too much debt badly managed and can't deal with you know a slowdown in uh, economic growth and higher costs so that unfortunately there will be some some more casualties we need to see unemployment rise a bit uh, as well so if unemployment rises um, your friend loses your job your one of your family loses your job you're not going to go out and make a big ticket acquisition um, that will slow inflation it'll slow the economy uh, it'll hurt corporate profits to some degree um, so we'll, we'll corporate profitability um, will come under pressure all that is already priced in uh, but it's very, with that backdrop, we don't see that this market is off to the races again. Um, we think it's the next three months. Uh, we'd be very happy if it sort of moves sideways within a tight trading range uh, before um, we get into later this year. And then I think the markets will be starting to discount sometime in 2024, the new cycle, uh, economic cycle. Um, and then we will we will be more positive. So we're very in the short term, um, in the next three to six months, expect more volatility, expect range bound markets, but we are not negative. We do believe patient investors um, should uh, expect you know, much more favorable outcome for 2023. 
So uh, all our uh, client mandates that follow our, our discretionary portfolios, whether you're in a bond portfolio or whether you're equity or balanced or whatever, are all usefully up this year. Uh, we do believe this will be a positive year for investors uh, who are patient, who can live with a, the, the, the ongoing volatility that's always with us. So I hope that answers your question. Um, so difficult Thanks, to forecast yeah. in this world. Yeah, I think... Uh... I think sort of my takeaway from that perhaps would be, you know, keep keep building up some cash uh, to add into the portfolio. So we're ready when we when we see those dips in the market uh, and, and remembering it's all about being in the market, uh, not trying to time it. Yep, absolutely. Timing the market is very difficult at the moment. Uh, buy the dips. Um, I'm sure we'll have them. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, if you have liquidity events, work with the the wealth managers, the investment teams, and uh, we'll uh, be able to deploy cash, hopefully at appropriate times. Superb. Look, I could, uh, I'm sure, ask you many more questions, but I'm going to pause at that stage and thank you very much as ever for your time. Um, I will be back over the coming weeks and months just to uh, put a few more questions to you. Uh, but until then, thanks a lot. Thanks, Adam. Cheers.